We live in a world of limitations and boundaries and live in a world of, I think, where you grow up and you, you develop your own self-limited beliefs based upon everything that you experience or the, the labels that you might get given. Um, and life is full of those obstacles and curveballs, but they're, it, it's all down to how you look at them. You can look at them as negative things or you can look at them as as opportunities. Welcome to Limitless, stories of resilience, leadership and human performance. Uh, I'm your host, Phil Quirk, and I'm joined in episode one uh, with a, a good friend of mine, Martin Malone. Thank you very much for joining us today, Martin. Thanks for inviting me, Phil. So we'll dive straight in. Uh, obviously, the whole podcast is about Limitless. We've both been participating on Expedition Limitless. Um, so Limitless to you, what does that mean in your world? Yeah, Limitless. Um, since I was a child, I think I've, I've tested my limits. Um, from the earliest memory, jumping off walls, climbing trees, you name it. I was always involved in everything. And uh, when you're testing your limits, it just opens up a whole new world for you. And I think I've, I've been privileged my whole life that I've had so many opportunities and amazing, amazing opportunities like Expedition Limitless, for example, just because I said yes, and I'm not afraid to push my limits and my boundaries ever. Yep. Um, but limits, like I said, it just opens up a whole new world to you. Yep. You know? I mean, I think, um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's obviously... When we talk about limitless, you know the the the, the opposite of that the kind of the inverse is obviously limits. And I think I think for me the whole point of not just this podcast, what we talk about in terms of resilience, leadership, self leadership, um, surpassing these limits, it, it's also exploring you know, how people see their own limits, um, whether that be physical, whether that be mental. Um, you, you've talked a lot on the expedition about growing up all the challenges you, you did. When you were growing up, was there any kind of challenges that started to really define your understanding of how you develop resilience and, and a limitless mind? Yeah, if I go back a little bit, um, I think a lot of those do my parents as well because they encouraged yep. me to have a go at everything. Yeah. I grew up on a farm, so I, I every morning was up doing farm work before you went to school. So you sort of built a bit of resilience uh, while you were young. But for me, um, any challenge really that uh, I could get my hands on where there was a physicality to it. So, you know, running up hills, you know, swimming in cold rivers and lakes, anything that meant I had to put effort in, physical effort in. Not so much mental challenges because physical, I suppose, and mental come together, don't yeah. you? But um, I just loved, from a young age, loved the feeling of challenging myself physically. The harder, harder it was, the better I enjoyed it. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I don't know whether that's something that's innate in me or built in into me from a young age. Um, you know, my brother's completely different to me. He didn't want to try anything like that. And that's fine too. Yep. Um it's kind of nature versus just, nurture yeah, question. And, and that's, you know. a, that's a good point, yeah, because we were brought, brought up exactly the same, but he would never do anything like I did. He 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 that doesn't define you as a human being. He's a he's a great guy, but it's it's very it's strange that we both grew up with a very different view on life and a view on on challenges or testing our limits, isn't it? Yeah, and do you think that could be like we we, we sometimes think when we, I think when people talk about nature and nurture, it's like huge life events which change the way people um, 
turn out later on in life. You know, the kind of when we the boy at seven, I'll tell you about the man at 30 kind of uh, philosophy. But actually, you know, it could be much more um, innocuous than that. You know, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, like five years old, you're watching a program on TV, which is inspiring you to go outside and, and go and get amongst it. You know, you're watching a superhero um, but is watching you know different program on a different day, and then you know it kind of goes off in that different direction. And it's a lot less about the kind of huge events, a lot more about the, the, the those kind of micro events, which at the perceptual time is innocuous, but then has this kind of butterfly effect which runs yeah. through. Yeah, no, you're right. I, God, you, you've just jogged a memory. When I was young, there was a program on on Irish TV called Superstars. I don't know if it was on British TV, but every week. A whole lot of athletes went through a lot of physical tests, so they had to do chins, press-ups, yes. basketball, swimming, running, cycling, and it was all done in one event. And I remember that was my favorite program of the week. And I'd be out do, outside doing my press-ups, and, yeah. you know, try, challenging myself to all the things they did on TV. Um, I remember that from a very young age being one of my favorite programs. Um, anytime there was a challenge, a physical challenge, I was right in there. Yeah. So I think you're right. I, I suppose from a young age, growing up in the countryside on a farm, you were constantly challenge, challenged anyway with, you know, working on a farm. I was in a country school where everybody grew up on a farm. So you're probably right. There's a lot of micro things that probably, you know, led to me being the way I am. Yep. I, I'm, I'm sure you're right. Uh, I can't pinpoint any one individual thing that kind of pushed me in that direction. But uh, there were certainly lots, lots of smaller things throughout my life that I can remember. Yeah, and I think for, for a lot of people, they, um, you know, you don't remember where you were when you learned 13 times table, you know, because it's kind of like a, it's a, a repetitive learning. So, you know, you, yeah. you know, you know it, but you don't necessarily know where you were. Whereas you know, the opposite of that is, you know, when like 9-11 happens, forever remember exactly where you were that day. You know, I was standing even when I saw it first. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the things that perhaps shape us are much more like the former rather than the latter. It's not something like huge events. It's It's actually just, you know, there's, constant shaping that we have and this 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 very subtle influence which you know i, me- I remember um, i used to work at a place called battleback and um one of the instructors used to give a great analogy about change at the end of it he said look you know if you if you take a compass and then you you, you take the compass from 10 degrees and put it to 11 degrees and you look at the compass there's hardly any difference there and, it, and if you walk sort of 10 meters on the two bearings there's no difference to yeah. where you end up but if you walk 10 kilometers on those two bearings, just one degree out. At the end of that 10 kilometers, you're in a way different place. And the and I always used to listen to him telling the story to these guys talking about, you know, just make small adjustments, but then but then keep going with those small adjustments. You might not notice it for 10 meters or 100 meters, but 10 kilometers down the road, you're in a different place completely. And I think mm, it's powerful, lots, that, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And I think it mm. it, it 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 describes, I think, a lot of how people grow up you know it's these kind of small adjustments on the compass here and over years and years and years it takes you in a different place yeah uh, yeah you're right it's you know and sometimes those moments are so subtle as you said that you in 10 years time you're on a completely different path but you don't know because you you don't know what what direction you would have, would have you would have gone in if that challenge or that change hadn't happened yeah but it, isn't it interesting though how we all you know from a very young age and like you said, there's certain little things that, you know, will will define us all, but we we won't necessarily remember them yep. because they're so small at the time. But that's quite powerful what you said about when your time in Battleback and just making one little change. And sometimes it's a combination of 
lots of little changes together that can yep. change change a person completely. Yeah, and, and I think the opposite of that is that sometimes people want to do 90 degrees, don't they? You know, and then, you know, January the 1st, change everything. You know, 90 degrees go completely the opposite direction. And then three weeks later, you're back on the same bearing. The reason you try to do too much change too quickly. Zero to um, hero, as we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you obviously, I know that you've done like amazing um, physical exploits. You know, you know, we did the the six bay challenge, or you did the six bay challenge. I just kayaked <laughs> it, which is very different. You swam oh, yeah. all of the bays on the Isle of Man. Um, I know you've swam from Scotland to the Isle of Man, uh, which is incredible, uh, amongst like a whole myriad of physical challenges. Any one of those that was really tested you to your breaking limit, where you really thought, mm, I'm not, I don't know if I've got this. Yeah, God. Um, there was one actually, believe it or not, and. Uh... It was the parish walk. Now, okay, you might think a parish walk. It is a hell of a walk, but um, I got roped into doing it at the last minute, so I hadn't trained for it. Yeah, but because of the way I, the way I am, and when you put a challenge in front of me, I, I wasn't going to stop at Peel. I yeah. wasn't going to stop at Foxdale or wherever. Um, if you ask, if you ask me to, uh, well, Foxdale is not on the route either. Is it? I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I meant to say Coke Michael. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I did it with probably about three weeks training. Right, okay. It was to do with a sponsorship thing. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. It was the wettest parish walk in history. Yeah. Which year was this, actually? 2008. Right, okay. Wettest parish yeah. walk ever. It rained the whole way. And it wasn't just like rain like we have today outside. It was like proper torrential rain. I'd arranged uh, somebody to support me. Uh, so he... I'd worked out what my average walking speed was and I said, you need to be in Peel to let me change clothes at X time. I'll, yep. I'll be there. Because it was so wet and cold, it was hailstones going up the slock. Right. By the time I got to Peel, I'd, I'd picked up my pace to get to Peel. Um, um, or sorry, I picked up my pace. So I got to Peel much quicker yep. than I'd expected. About 40 minutes quicker. Yep. He was still at home on the couch watching a movie. Oh, so I just, oh no. I just carried on straight through Peel and... Um, eventually he caught, he caught up on me at, uh, at Kirk Michael, stopped the car, got all the stuff out of the back. I said, no, I'm going to keep going. And uh, it was when I got to Bride, things started to fall apart. And I should have stopped at Bride, but I kept going. Yep. And I was I was broken at that stage. Didn't have blisters, but I was just so sore. Yep. Carried on, cut long story short, and I finished. And I thought, my God, that is probably one of the toughest things I've ever done. Yep. And it stopped raining as I was walking down the prom. Yeah, it's the finish line. But uh, the next morning we were in the Sefton Hotel and uh, because of um, the company I work for sponsored, we had a, like, a get together and uh, we had brought 50 people over from the UK. So they were all staying in various hotels, but we had a little event in the Sefton. Yep. And because I was the only person from the 50 people that finished it, they gave me an award. Right. And I, I stood up to get my award because my legs weren't working. I stumbled backwards, hit a bamboree. <laughs> <laughs> broke about 100 plates, knocked them off the bamboo. Right. So, so many plates, I had to get one of the big wheelie bins and the blue bins for yeah. bottles to shovel all the broken plates in. That memory sticks in my mind as one of the most embarrassing and one of the most painful things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, mainly because I didn't prepare for it. Yeah. But I just had to finish it because I was never going to do it twice. Yeah. Um, but I've done so many other things that have probably been, probably physically would have been much harder than a parish walk, but yeah. I prepared for them. Yes. Yeah. I was ready, such as the, the, the big channel swim from Scotland to Isle of Man and the six bay 
swim, which, as you know, I was training for for weeks. So, and, and just to clarify, yeah. the, the parish walk is, was it 87 or 88 miles? Oh, like. What is it, 80? But I'll get this wrong now. The parish walk um, police will be... They'll come after you, come yeah. after me, but it's 84 or 5 miles. Okay, so we just say 85 miles. Yeah. Um, and it's there's, there's so many parishes on the Isle of Man. Each yeah. one of those parishes have a church, and the parish walk is you kind of walk, kick the... The touch, door of the church, or the touch, touch it, yeah, and then carry on around to the next one, and and yeah. that basically encompasses every parish on the island, um, you know, and 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 obviously, like you know, every year thousands of people enter it, only ever a few hundred finish it because you get the twenty four hour window to to complete it in, and um, but it's you know, walking when you're doing that kind of distance can be like as much a head battle as a as a, as a physical it's, battle. It's all psychological, um, I think. Because a lot of people stop and the legs go. Yep. Because they just the legs go and the head goes. One blister can wreck you psychologically if it's hurting. Any arm not going any further. But yep. You know, if if one of my legs had fall, fallen off, I would have hopped to the finish. Yep. There was just no way I was going to do it again. But it is. It is. It's. You might think, oh, eighty-five miles, whatever. It's a hell of a challenge because it's not just flat, and you've got a camber on the road which hurts yep. your ankles, um, and you're walking through the night. Yep. So, I, I had a very similar experience, but not the parish walk. I, so I haven't done the parish walk. Um, 2006, uh, I'd, I'd left the Marines about a couple of years before. I'd done like zero training in two years. Um, just basically, you know, out with my friends getting drunk and, you know, going to work Monday to Friday, then living for the weekend. Um, and we were in the pub, a load of us, uh, in the, uh, the Manx Arms in Onken. And um, somehow the parish walk came up and I kind of said, easy like you know walking isn't it so you yeah. you, you just yeah. as long as you've got yeah. the mindset that you're always going to keep putting one foot in front of the other then you know you get there at the end if some of them then better me and said well i bet you you couldn't do it and i said well i'll tell you what it was this was kind of i think it was like early october late late september early october i said i'll i'll i wouldn't do the parish walk because that's next june but i'll do two laps of the tt course and i'll do it on remembrance day and 2006 the way it worked is uh the 11th of november was Saturday, and then obviously you got Remembrance Day on the Sunday. So the the mm. the, the bet was eleven a.m. I set off from the War Memorial onto the TT course, two laps of the TT course in November, obviously. Wow! And then and then finish at the War Memorial. So it wasn't as long as the parish walk, but only like a few miles shorter. And it was it was horrendous. I did no training for it. Um, my father's walk, I think, was like seventeen miles, which I'd done once, and I and I, I found that quite easy. So I thought, well. I've done the 17 miles and I'm all right. I'm feeling your pain yeah. already, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so, so I remember um, the second lap of the TT course and, and it rained for much, much of it. A lot of it was in the dark because obviously it's 11 a.m. start. So by 6 p.m. it's dark. It's dark all the way around to like 7 a.m. the following day, isn't yeah. it? And w when I was coming down, when I was coming up uh, from Kurt Michael to Ramsey, it's probably one of the lowest I've ever been psychologically. I, I was broken and i couldn't i couldn't get out of my head i couldn't figure out how am i going to get over the mountain like the mountain the mountain just seemed like insurpassable and do you know what saved me there's, there's we stopped in parliament square my brother my brother was in the um port car and he made me a coffee from his work really strong black coffee mm. and the caffeine kicked in and i just i flew the rest of it <laughs> but like for, for about a week i couldn't move and it was horrendous so i i, I a similar experience and yeah. I was equally as broken as you were. <laughs> I didn't smash any plates. Um, 
So yeah, okay. we've obviously done like like incredible challenges, Mo, um, which has kind of brought you up to where we've met. And what I'm fascinated in is some of the swimming challenges because I think for a lot of people, if you were to say to them, you know, would you fancy having a go at swimming from Scotland to the Isle of Man? Or would you like to have a go at the parish walk? I think 99 people out of 100 would take the parish walk every time. Yeah. Um, what, what sort of preparation, what sort of mindset, and what are some of the things that you go through when you're swimming like these incredible distances across sea? Yeah, God, that's such a great question. Because for me, swimming is, first of all, I, I have to qualify that I hate swimming in pools. Okay. I just think it's the most monotonous thing, swimming up and down a pool. And that's... Nothing against people who swim in pools or you know professional athletes. It's just for me. Yep. Because when I swim in the sea or a river, so I grew up swimming in a river and then kind of transitioned into the sea. I think about 16, I became a beach lifeguard and I was my first exposure to swimming long distance in the sea. But what, I, what I found from, from right from the start is I start, my mind wanders. Okay. Swimming is quite therapeutic. If you swim really fast, you get out of breath. But I, I've got a pretty decent stroke, quite yep. efficient. So... You ever gone out for a nice slow jog and your mind's wandering and you're thinking about things? It's like therapy. Well, that's what swim, swimming is like for me. So okay. when I get in the water within two or three minutes, once I get warmed up, I start to my mind starts to wander and I switch off. And mm. for me, it's just absolute bliss. Um, if the water is a bit rough, I'll just breathe a little bit higher. I'll just carry on. Um, so provided I get the training in and the fitness, is, the fitness is important. Obviously, you need to be physically fit. But for me, when I get in water, it's like it's an escape. Yep. It's like a therapy for me. Um, and I can swim. I can just keep going. I have, from a young age, I'm, I'm built for endurance. I don't look like endurance, athlete. I'm not skinny, but yep. for some reason, I, I can just keep going. Yep. And I can manage my energy quite well. Um, and for me, it's the, the, the challenge is one thing. So you're swimming in cold water. You're swimming across an ocean. You're swimming in a bay, which we did on the six bay swim uh, challenge. Um, because I'm a good swimmer, the, the the physicality side of it doesn't really bother me. Yep. Um, and I'm confident in the water. But for me, that the beauty of it and the, the attraction for me and why I, I love it so much is is it's just that I escape. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of funny stories where I was out swimming, and I'll start swimming in the wrong direction because I'm my mind's wandering. Yeah. Um, I look up and I'm I've completely done. 180 and I'm heading back the way I came. Right. It's happened to me quite a few times. Um, and I've been in a couple of, uh, I've been in, I've been in a few competitive swims in, in the sea and rivers and stuff like that, which is a whole different, different thing. Um, now that may, may, may make it sound like, yeah, you just jump in the sea. The sea, you have to respect it as well. Yep. It's, it's dangerous. So um, I do all my homework beforehand so i know about the currents i know about the tides i know the wind direction everything's planned like when we did the six bay swim challenge yeah so i take away as much of the unknown as i can by preparing really well yeah and that, and that blew me away with the with the six bay challenge um because it wasn't just the physicality of the challenge itself that, that i found fascinating obviously i was just in the support kayak while you and sue were actually doing the swimming um but it was all the planning that went in before it, you know. Um, it, it was quite an art, quite eye opening, you know. Especially someone I've 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 done a little bit with the outdoors, you know. I used to do, you know, be an instructor in the RAF, so done sea kayaking, so understood about, you know, especially with the sea. Um, you know, you never mess around with the sea because it nature's never on exercise is a famous phrase that I've always kind of absolutely bought into. Um, 
if we were to so we were to concentrate on that six basement. So obviously, just to kind of describe what it was, six major bases, Alaman, your and this what started Expedition Limitless off, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at the end, was was your challenge was to swim all of these six major bays in one day, um, swim the bay, get in a vehicle, transit to the next one, jump in the next one, and try and do them all in a day. Um, I think would it be fair to say for the first five swims, everything went as well as it could, like almost like military yep. precision. Um we had great conditions once we got off the south of the island. You know, Peel was great. Laxey was great because we had the current yeah, working with us. Yeah, behind us, yeah. I even got to do a little bit of surf kayaking into the beach from Laxey, which lulled us into a bit of a false sense of security. It sure did, yeah. And then we got to yeah. Douglas. Uh, uh, that Douglas beach swim, so that, sorry, that bay swim across Douglas. Um, first of all, how far is it? If you were to do it, sort of straight line, two point four kilometers in a two. straight line. So from Port Jack, the little bay, directly, if you take a straight line across, yep. across to where we got out the steps at Douglas Harbour, two point four kilometers. And typically, two point four kilometers, if you were swimming uh, and conditions weren't against you, how long would that swim take usually? Fifty minutes. A fifty fifty minute swim. And obviously, this is the last. This is the sixth bay of of six that day that yeah. you and Sue had done, but. Gonna walk us through what happened to us that in that final bay. Yeah, because it's vivid, vivid memory. I'll never forget it. Um, if we just go back to Laxey for a second, because yep. we had to swim Laxey at a certain time, because right. um, when I did all the planning, we look at the tidal charts yep. and the currents. So there's a very, very strong current coming from the north that kind of sweeps into Laxey Bay, um, yep. and it'll push you backwards. So it's about three and a half, four knots, which you can't you can't swim at that speed. Yeah. So we had to do. Laxey at a certain time of the day, which meant all the other bays kind of had to fit around Laxey. Yeah. And given the way the tides were, we only got that one day window, didn't we? Yeah. We had to look at the other weekends that we planned. They were all a washout. They were, you know, the, the sea conditions were too bad. So we were really lucky that we actually got, got it done. Yeah. Um, so that meant Laxey on that particular day, the tides were favorable later in the day. Yeah. Which meant that we were going to have to start Douglas probably about an hour before dark. Yeah. So in my head, with good weather conditions, we start Douglas an hour before dark. We get across just as it's starting to get dark. Yep. Um, that yes. was the plan. Now, as you said, up to Laxey, everything went swimmingly well. Ex excuse the pun. Um, nice. Sorry, I had to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we got in Port Jack and, and I saw the sea conditions, but also the wind direction, and you could see immediately. So we had a very strong wind blowing across Douglas Bay towards Port Jack. We had the tide coming in and pushing in the same direction. Yep. And we straight when we started off, the sea conditions were really rough. You yep. you remember going out on the kayak yep. and we had yep. a video of, of how rough the sea was, which in itself oh, slows you down. Yep. So we start swimming and yeah, once you get going, everything's okay. And Sue is relatively close. You're on the kayak. And after about what I felt was about 15 minutes swimming, I, I, I stopped to, to see what progress we've made. It was none. Very, very, very little progress. Yes, yep. we've made some progress, but my God, I thought, oh my God, this is this is going to be tough. But we're on the last leg. We're going to finish it. And and by this stage, Sue's shoulders were starting to yep. to to give in. Unsurprisingly, uh, as well, you know, in terms of like the distance that had been swam that day, getting in and out of the cold water, and and, and eating as well, trying to get food into you. It, it, it was, you know, and that was what I would say was really eye opening. It wasn't just the physicality of the challenge; it was the logistics of it, and also the planning and the 
the everything having to happen at a certain time because of tide and wind and all those. Even the Coast Guard, we, you know, we we had to yep. check in with the Coast Guard. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I looked right when that moment you said where you sort of checked how far we gone. I, I was kayaking. I was, I was. Obviously, you're putting the paddle strokes in, um, but you can kind of tell you're not moving that much. And I seen myself, ooh, and and every time I was looking right, it was just like nothing was moving. You yeah, know? It, it just it felt as though we were kind of on like a treadmill of water. Just go, you know, you're definitely moving, you're definitely paddling, you're definitely exerting energy. You're kind of looking left and right. It's and you're not like, going anywhere. Not going anywhere here. Now. I'm always calculating in my head, so I'm a very experienced sea swimmer. So what I did know at that point was we are moving forwards. Yes. It may be slow progress, yeah. but it's progress. And all we need to do now is knuckle down for a long swim. Yeah. That's, that was in my head. There was no way. If I had to swim into the beach yeah. and then just swim in like four foot of water all the way along the beach, yeah. that would have worked because yeah. you wouldn't have had the effect of the, the tide right by the beach. Yeah. So there was always a plan B if if we weren't making any progress. But straight line was always going to be the best way across. Um, and I was... Were there any points where you're thinking about switching to a plan B to, to go in and... No, not, uh, not as long as we make progress. Yeah. The only time plan B would, would kick in is back. if we were going backwards and yep. then we'd, we'd go to the beach and swim in shallow water all the way along the beach. So plan plan B was last, really was last resort. Um, the only little thing I was worried about was Sue was starting to really tire because her shoulders... Now, yep. It was a reason that Sue was the only person I wanted on there with me. I know her very well, we, yep. I, and I know how tough she is. She's an absolute machine. She's a little pocket rocket, sort of yeah. like Shannon, if yeah, you yeah. like. But um, yeah. um, And we talked about would we let other people do the swim, and I know we spoke to Skiff about it, and I said, no, there's only one person. And Sue did a lot of the training with me, so I knew she was ready, yep. and she used to swim for the island, so I was a competent swimmer. You recall when we got... Did quite a, it was a big moment for me, actually, in the middle of the bay when we were yes. already an hour in. And you'll recall it. I think I'd stopped for a wee. And we'd had a little chat and we were saying, you know, one of nature's... Like, I didn't see any toilets out there. In there the was no the toilets, yeah. <laughs> but if anyone has ever swam in a wetsuit for long distance, uh, wee sure. stops are quite pleasurable. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone can work out one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I thought I'll take the opportunity to let Sue catch up. And, and Sue, she caught up with us and she stopped. And um, she just, we kind of looked at each other and we were looking at how far she was behind mm. and we just let her catch caught up catch up and she popped her head out of the water and said i'm broken but i'm bloody finishing this yeah yeah and she just put her head down and carried on yeah so that was somebody who was broken she was ready to physically she was ready to stop but mentally there was absolutely no way the sue was stopping that was a real big moment for me. i love that yeah that, that's a big memory i have from from the six bay challenge and, and in a weird way as well certainly what my recollection is it wasn't long after that that on the other point, the tide turned for us and we started to make a lot more progress. And um, you know, and it's it's like a it's like a metaphor for life, isn't it? Sometimes when you're at your most broken, when the conditions seem the most challenging, you're not that far away from it all kind of turning around as long as you've got that kind of mindset to keep going and yeah, it's just, it's it's mindset in you yeah. Uh you know, when you're at your worst, are you really at your worst? Yeah. 14 peaks. Yeah, uh, limbs. limbs. Yeah. yeah. I won't swear. No, no, no swear. Is, I, think, I think you've got to swear, you know, when you think you're... Yeah, when you say, <laughs> what was he said? When you, he, he didn't even make it a round number. I think he said something like, when, 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 you're, um, when you think you're fucked, you're only about 46% fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, and that, 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 you know, that, that's sort of how it is. You, you know, if, if giving up is not an option, then you just keep going. Yep. Um, 
And like I said on the parish walk, if one of my legs had to fall off, it would have popped. If one of my arms had to come off, it would have swam the rest of the way with one arm. Yeah. Um, and Sue would have done the same. And that's, yep. that's one of the reasons she was there. Because I, I, I did a similar swim challenge many years ago and, and, and people started dropping out. Yeah. So I dropped out like flies and they've been sponsored to do the whole thing. And because I didn't know them and I didn't know what preparation had done, but, but Sue is just a machine and a very good friend as well. Yeah. Um, it was, it was quite, um, yeah. Because, because I think because of how challenging the last leg was, it was, it was quite a big elation when we finished. And I think it still would have been great to finish. Obviously friends and family were there waiting at the end of the bottle of champagne waiting for you guys. And I think that still would have happened obviously. But I think it was even more so because it had been so challenging. And I don't think perhaps everyone on the side quite realized how challenging it had been. Yeah. Um, and in uh, fact, we finished in the dark. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it took us so long. To yeah. What, an hour and just over an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, so it was coming up on double the time, really. Yep. Um, we didn't get much, we didn't get much good, sorry, we didn't get any good footage towards the end because it was dark. So we just saw these little green lights coming along yep. in, the, in the water, but. You, you are right. We we knew how tough that had been, and we just went up the steps, and everybody was clapping, and we swigged a bottle of champagne. Yeah. But um, pe people on the side didn't realise what we'd been through. That that was yeah. um, horrendous. Uh, Definitely you and Sue. I mean, it, yeah. I was there in the kayak, you know. But I think my job was way easier in the kayak, obviously. But it was even in the kayak, it was challenging. And goodness knows what it's like swimming. So I know, obviously, we. You raise an incredible amount of money, which, which really, if you think about what happened with the six bay swim, that kickstarted Expedition Limitless. Yeah, you know, it, well, it did more than kickstart it; it kind of field punted it more than anything. Um, and we were already, you know, above fifteen grand on the start line. Um, and then I said to the team, if you remember, you know, the the target's mm. no longer fifty thousand; it's sixty five because you can't count what Mert's <laughs> done here because he's done yeah. it on his own. Um, yeah, which is which I think is fair. Um, so it brings us on to the expedition itself. Uh, which uh, we, we've known each other for a little while, obviously through uh, through Skiff, but I think we've got to know each other really well through the expedition. Um, it's 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 becoming it's grown arms and legs now, expedition limitless, yeah, isn't it? And I yeah. think it's going to further grow. Uh, uh, what, what's your from, from someone that's done lots and lots of resilience type stuff, someone that's done lots of physical challenges? What have you taken from the expedition? Um, that's added to what you already knew and what you already believed about this stuff before? Um, something that's really resonated with me. So first of all, when when would 12 complete novices, and, and I wouldn't say I'm a complete novices, uh, novice because I've got the training in military background, like similar yep. to you, Phil, but yep. uh, I wouldn't have had much cold weather training, to be honest. Um, but to take 12 people who would never get the opportunity to do an Arctic expedition probably in their lifetime, all of different levels of, of ability, different backgrounds, different levels of fitness even. Yeah. And to put them all together in a team and to see the way that team not only gelled Im immediately in, in, um, in Orlando airport, yep. you know, the moment we met and throughout the training week, they not only gelled at that point, but they, they became a high performing team. And, that's what really stood out for me. So honestly, before going on the training week, I thought there'd be a few people that would really struggle. Yeah. Um, because you're putting them into a really hostile environment. Even during training week, you know, when yep. we stepped off the train, it was minus 21. But I was blown away by the team dynamic that developed very, very quickly. And and, and 
I think it's 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 down to two things primarily. One is you and um and the way that you've set this up and prepared and picked the team, which is credit to you. I think that's amazing. And, and Matt as well, the preparation. Yeah. So yeah. you always know you're in a safe pair of hands with you and Matt because you, you know the, the military background that both of you had, which is absolute you know meticulous preparation. But the the concept, the way you've pulled this together. And the way you've linked the corporate sector and the charities together, yep. everybody had a sense of purpose, and and that is so powerful. Yep. Even when people were down, we were all on the same team. There was no weak link in that team. Not even for a second did you see anybody who wasn't pulling their weight. Yep. Um, and I didn't expect that. Yeah. If I'm being really honest, I didn't expect it. Now I wasn't expecting anybody to fail, nor was I expecting anybody to be. A bit of a drama queen. I just thought some people might struggle. Yeah. But nobody was let struggle. Yeah. Were picked up and carried along as a team. Um and that that was really powerful. Um and there were the two things I was saying it was it was more the the way you've pulled this whole concept together and the fact that we we had you and, and Matt as well. Yeah, it, it's you a really know. I mean it's an amazing thing to watch unfold. You know, you kind of you hope for it to happen. No guarantees, you know, you, you just don't know until people go into that environment how they're going to react or act when they're in that environment. So watching it unfold has been amazing for sure. Um, I, I'm always, you know, in my head, I'm always thinking the same as what you're always planning while you're swimming. That, you know, you remember from the training week that, that I can be a little bit harsh, you know, you know, and especially when it's around pity. You know, we had the discussion, didn't we, about how dangerous pity is when you're in the wilderness contagious it's you know, it's infectious it's addictive um and you know I, I think about the night we spent out you know there's very little sympathy anyone got for me and matt um the complete opposite i have to say yeah well you know, or the, yeah you could say the complete opposite but it's actually very deliberate and it's yeah. not it's not it's not to show people that there's a lack of empathy because that's not the case all is absolute empathy but what we can't have is pity because you know, if you look at nature, uh, if you look at you know a nature program with David Attenborough, there's a predator and there's prey, and at no point does anyone have any pity in the whole process. You know, and and humans, I think, what we do with our you know, creative imagination, our abstract thinking, our you know our perhaps our overdeveloped brain, I think pity is something that's become quite crippling. Um, and actually, I'm passionate about saying to people. If I if I start pitying you, you'll accept it, and and then you'll want more of it. But actually, if I say to you, look, who's going to sort this out? You've got to you've got to figure this out. Um, and it was great to see on the expedition some of the guys that were perhaps a little bit more intimidated by the cold, understandably, obviously, mm. how much they came on in the week and how strong, how much they were not developed. They their their their, their a perceptual lens, the kind of window of how they saw the challenge, I think, changed. And they became much more self-confident. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I saw it myself. I saw people changing as the week went on. We're a strong team on day one. I think losing our bags in the airport probably helped yeah, pull, yeah. Us, pull us all together. That was just brilliant. It's quite hard to organize that. Yeah. Sure with BA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, losing all by one bag. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. As a team, as the, as the week went on, you could just see people change. You could see the dynamic of the team strengthening each day. Yep. Um, and when we got to the end of the week and we uh, 
we'd all gone in into the hole in in the in the in the river. I keep calling it a lake, but it was actually a river. A river, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had to see a Facebook video. One of the things I noticed um, is everyone went into the water and it got out. What the people that watched the Facebook live didn't see is what happened next. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was everybody freezing cold trying to get changed by the fire. But yeah. the the difference in the team walking down and the difference walking back up was just worlds apart. The chatter, the everybody had had done it, and then we went and had a little bit of team time and a nice meal. And I won't go into much detail. Yeah, a few beers were had, and <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, and that was that again to see how the team was, you know, had gelled and yeah. all best friends. Um, and I think Marcus and Raina, who who are, who are couldn't join us unfortunately. I think they'll just come straight in and be yeah. accepted into the team, and and they'll be just brought along, you know, with the way everybody else was in in um, in the tra- during training week. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. And and you know, it's it's an incredible team of twelve, predominantly Manxies or people living on the Isle of Man. But you know, we have one Manxi that's living off the island. Um, our two colleagues from India, uh, Marcus and Raina. Uh, and then we've got, you know, instructors from living in Sweden, some from the UK. There's an international feel to it, but it's very much at the core. It's a, it's a Manx, it's a Manx expedition event, yeah. with Manx people on it. It's fantastic. Well, I'm half Manx now because I've spent half my life here. I think if you yeah. half, how many years is that? 25. Well, I think probably about 10% Manx. Then you've been oh, here 25 God, years. Yeah. You still got no. <laughs> good. Uh, so, uh, so we have a little look forward then. So. Expedition Limitless 2024. Um, you're obviously, we're, we're hoping you're going to be able to join us again um, that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, so we're going to go and tackle the Yukon, completely different proposition. Um, what's your thoughts on the challenges there of 750 kilometers of wilderness river to contend with? Very different to this year's one. Completely different um, in so many ways. But uh, iconic river, isn't it? The Yukon. Um Good that paddling with with the uh, with the river as opposed to against it. Yeah, for start. But the scenery, the you know, I've seen some some photography already. Um, the fact that you're you're living in the wilderness for it's probably about two weeks along. Uh, it's about twelve or yeah. thirteen days the actual trip. Yeah, to do this seven hundred and fifty kilometers. Now this is something again, and this all credit to you, Phil. People would never get the opportunity to do this. Mm. Um. And this is the power of yes, yes, I'll have a go, or yes, I will go and speak to my company and see will they they sponsor yep. me because, you know, to to paddle seven hundred and fifty kilometers down one of the most incredible rivers in the world with some of the uh, scenery that's just going to be mind blowing with nature with there'll be moose, there'll be wild bears having to camp out, cook your food. What an incredible experience! That's a bucket list experience for sure. Yeah. Um. And I just, you know, when, when the application's open, I'd urge people to say yes, because yep. if you ask any one of the people on the this year's expedition, just to go back to the start and think just what they, and, and explain what they thought this expedition might be like or what they might get out of it, I think you'd hear a very different story. Yeah. Um, and and I, hopefully I'll, I'll be going with, with you guys yep. as, we, as we discussed. Um, but again, the, 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 the way that we're, Pulling the the corporate sector and the charity sector together to do something amazing, and yeah. this is putting the Isle of Man on the map. The, you know, events like these really make a difference. Yeah, 
Um, we're we're probably gonna we're probably gonna raise a significant amount of money on on this year's challenge for a lot more than we expected. Yep. You know, looking at our projections and and the generosity of the Manx public, the Yukon's going to be bigger. Yep. And it's going to be a statement, another statement made by Project Limitless in yep. terms of what's what is possible, removing limits, saying yes, having a go. Yep. You know. Yeah, and and within that, you know, we 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 haven't talked too much publicly about it, but uh, you know, our intention is to have uh, one of the expedition members, a young person with Down syndrome, one with autism, and then one also a, a young deaf person on the expedition. Which will obviously each one of those three will present challenges for the expedition. Um, but I'm passionate about challenges. Don't mean you don't have to do stuff. Challenges just means you have to figure out. Work around, over it, round it, under it, whatever you need to do. But there's no reason why um, any of these young people can't undertake this huge uh, physical uh, and absolutely. mental challenge. Yeah. Um, and whole point of Expedition Limitless is about the removal of barriers and limitations. And each year we're going to prove that um, and we're going to test it to the maximum. Um, we're going to have to be very careful at times. We're going to have to be very respectful and think about what can and can't be done. But... We, we, as you know, we very much move in the world of can rather than can't. Um, can, what a powerful word. And even going back to, well, you know, if, if we think about Expedition this 2023, yeah. what people see on Facebook, so they saw the, the training week, they see the pictures of us going into the hole in the river, they see, they see the kind of the bit at the front. Yeah. And what they didn't see are the thousands of emails, thousands of messages. Yeah multiple days and hours of preparation and paperwork and phone calls um, that goes into preparing for an event like this. That's the bit that people don't appreciate. So with the Yukon, all of that happens in the background. Every eventuality eventuality will be covered. The preparation will be done. We will understand everything there is to understand about the individual who will be bringing with us. Nothing will be left to chance. Um, And that's a really important thing to say. This yep. is not just a whole lot of guys going off and having some fun on the river somewhere. Yep. This is a serious event, but the preparation will be done. And yep. you're right because, you know, we we have to break down these barriers. Like I, I think about autism, I think about Asperger, Asperger's, I think about various disabilities that people have. There's just other human beings, yep. just like me and you are. Um, you know, I, I, I have a different outlook on life. My, my, my window to the world is completely different to yours, the same as it is. For yep. most people, all we have to do is understand what it looks like through their window. Yep. And then we can we can all work together and all have the, an incredible experience. Yep. Um, but I'm confident that whoever we bring will have the most incredible experience through their window. Yep. Not our window. Yep. And we'll be there to support and help them every step of the way. Yep. Yep. And then they come back and then they become force multipliers. Absolutely. They inspire others. Um, you know, the... I want you know that 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 young person with Down syndrome to inspire people from their community to believe that they can go and do things like this. Um, yeah. uh, and it's about um, inspiration by example. Um, and, and that's the one of the great things about the exhibition is that's already happened this year with this year's exhibition. Some of the people on it have either directly but indirectly been affected by mental health yeah. um, or mental illness. And seeing what they've done and how they're inspiring others, and that will happen year on year. It's about force multipliers. 
the the resilience revolution i call it yeah that we actually we, we show people that they're way more resilient than they think and they just got to get into a place where they reveal that resilience uh, and that's yeah. nature and adversity does that brilliantly yeah and and if you asked any of the guys who went into the into the uh river when they got it was that as bad as you thought it was going to be no yeah um you always build things up to be a lot worse than they are but you said something very powerful recently in a meeting and it's it stuck with me that this year's team were custodians of this yeah we we've had the this incredible you know once in a lifetime opportunity to do something that not many people will get to do and that with comes with that comes a responsibility we're custodians of ex, of of expedition limitless yep. and we pass on the baton to the next team whoever's on that team and in some respects there's almost a responsibility to mentor the next team yeah and we keep this going because it is something incredible and it's why i'm so passionate about it and why i'm putting so many hours of my spare time into it because it's it's something i believe in yeah 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 um and where where we'll finish in 26 you know the south pole which we'll you know we could talk about on another episode where we just talk specifically about the the plans for the future but you know at the end of 26 when we've done everything Greenland, South Pole, Yukon, Arctic, five hundred thousand pound raise, loads of charities benefited, loads of people positively affected. Yeah. Um, Expedition Limitless will be, you know, it will be ready to go again. Um, we've, also, we've already talked about climbing a mountain, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good, a big one. Always a big one. Always a big one. Yeah. So fantastic. Well, um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, our very first episode of the Limitless podcast, where we're talking about everything from resilience, leadership, and stories of, of of amazing feats uh our first guest martin malone who's joined us today also part of exhibition limitless um tune in for more stories in future episodes thanks phil thank you very much <laughs>